Cindy. It's really nice to officially meet you. Um, so we heard about Heal and Thrive through Stephanie Eisner, who goes to our church now with her family. And um, yeah, so I've heard what she, how she's been involved and things like that. And I know she's kind of helping more with the well project now these days, right? Doing yes, I adore Steph Eisner. So we met her when she was still living on the West Coast. Yeah. And through other friends who were involved in Heal and Thrive and she came on a trip and now she comes on multiple trips every year. And then through her engagement with clean water and sanitation and everything, she is now our, sorry, my dog is walking (laughs) through. Uh, She is now our water director. Okay. On a volunteer basis. So yeah, she is helping us with her brilliance. really tackle what does all of that mean and how can we understand even greater the needs for water and with our team in Uganda. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. She is super involved. She's actually coming with me. We leave soon, right? From tomorrow. Yes. Okay. I had heard it was coming right up. Yep. So she's Um, coming again. I love that. Well, okay. So Heal and Thrive, we, I don't know that either of us, I mean, we've, we've read some of the stuff you have sent us, but like, could you like go back to the beginning and tell us how it got started, how you got involved? Were you there in the beginning or all of that? Yep. So I am the founder and the executive director. So like a lot of nonprofits, I would say we got started accidentally. Okay. So, um, it like God had really big plans that I did not. So I had been involved in nonprofits and in kind of orphan care for a long time, but hadn't had a plan to start anything of my own. And in fact, in 2010, I have to shut this door. My dog keeps opening it actually. In 2010, my life kind of fell apart. And I had been to Uganda and had been involved in other projects actually with this Uganda team, but my life fell apart and I became a single mom Mm. and I lost everything in my life. Mm -hmm. Honestly, became a single mom with really bad PTSD and um, I kind of dove inside myself. Mm -hmm. And started counseling and I read my Bible through three times in one year and did nothing but go to therapy and read my Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly thought I would never be involved in the nonprofit world again. Thought Jesus could never use me again. Mm-hmm. Right. And I did nothing but go into my hole and heal. Yeah. And um, as I was kind of coming out of that, the one book I read was a book called Half the Sky. Have you, anybody ever read this? No, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. It's a Pulitzer Prize winning book okay. about the oppression of women worldwide. Okay. And one of the things, it's a really dark book because it's about <laughs> the oppression of women worldwide, right? Uh, but one of the things he talks about is he talks about um, kind of the treetop answers, like what governments can do. So I kind of ignored a lot of that. And then it talks about grassroots, like what can the average person 
do on the ground to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then he interviews because he's a Pulitzer Prize winning um, columnist. So yeah. he interviews people around the world that he's met. Yeah. And what they do to make a difference. And he talks about Africa and he talks about women's cooperatives. So he's talking about all of these women and what they've done to change their own world, right? And so this really does kind of touch me. And he talks about how if you give a woman a dollar, 70 cents goes back into her family. Mm. And I'm kind of listening at this point, right? And what that means. And then the other thing he talks about that really strikes me is schools and how less than 20% of girls in sub-Saharan Africa are going to secondary school. Yeah. So I'm kind of taking this in, right? Yeah. And at the same time, Anne, my friend in Uganda, is calling me. And all the time, she is one of the only people who doesn't leave me, right? Through this process where I'm like, my life crushes. I lose everybody. Everybody walks away from me, except for Anne, who's like, we're going to stay best friends. I'm like, whatever. You're going to leave me too, right? I'm listening to the lies of the enemy. And she's like, no, now we're going to start something. And I'm like, we are not starting anything. I'm terrified. Everybody's going to leave me. I'm never going to start a nonprofit. Jesus doesn't use me in that way anymore, blah, blah, blah. And she keeps saying, we're going to start something. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. And so now like, we're doing a lot of healing work. I'm reading through God's word. I'm hearing his heart, right? And she, now I'm reading this book too. And so finally, it's been a year and she says, well, so I want to do this thing and I want to start women's cooperatives. And I was like, okay, so I don't want to start a nonprofit, but I did just read this book and I think you really should do that. Yeah, actually, that is, I've read this research and that's the best plan. Yeah. Like, like research shows you actually should start this work. That's a very good idea. You do that. I'm not going to do that in Uganda. And so she said, what I want to do is I want to buy, I want women to get together and I want them to support one another. Like, yes, yep. All the research says this is what you should do. And then I want to give them cows. I want them to own an asset Mm -hmm. that will encourage them, will empower them. And I was like, yes, also, yes, all the research shows this is a good idea. And I said, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to start anything. Jesus doesn't use me in that way anymore, but I will give you all the money I have in my bank account. So I was a very poor single mom at the time living on food stamps, but I had a thousand dollars in my bank account. And so I said, I will give you all the money that I have. And I had a couple of friends at the time who said, I want to join you. So we sent the money for seven cows for her first women's cooperative in Angora Talk Village. So she went, she bought seven cows. And then the next week she called and she said, okay, I need three more. Because, you know, she's always, always moving and changing. Yeah. She said, I want to do 10 cows and then we're going to rotate them. And when those 10 cows give birth, they can give them to the next 10 women. Oh. And then they'll give birth again and they'll give them to the next 10 women. So then all 30 women will have cows. We're going to put women in groups of 30. And I said, well, I literally gave you all my money. Yeah, don't have anything left. Actual, all my money. Yeah. And she said, okay, so you're supposed to raise it just like you used to. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Like I literally lost everybody. Mm. I, I'm not going to do this anymore. Jesus doesn't use me any, in this way. And she said, Brandy, this is what you're called to do. Mm. She said, the women of Angora talk need you. And I was like, uh, no. 
And you can, I don't know if you've been to Uganda, if you've been to Africa, but oh. you God, cannot say no to the faith mm. of a Ugandan woman. And she said it. And I said, I will try, um, even though the lies of the enemy were so loud. And so I posted it on Facebook, terrified that I would wake up the next morning with more evidence mm. that would prove the lies of the enemy. Yeah. And yet the next morning I woke up and instead of the three cows that she needed, I had five people who wanted to buy cows. Mm. And so I called Anne and I said, um, we have five people who want to buy cows. Do you want to start a second women's cooperative? And that's how this was born. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the first women's cooperative. And that was in November of 2011. Okay. A year after my life had kind of crashed and burned. And uh, now we have 99 women's cooperatives. Oh my goodness. With 30, yeah. 30 women in each? Or 30 women in each. Now? Okay. Yeah. So really it has all birthed from that, from moving throughout villages and finding women who had once been disempowered, once been abandoned, once been told they were nothing, mm -hmm. and saying, you are loved, and you are worth loving, and we see you, mm -hmm. which is amazingly enough, the same thing God said to me in yeah. my most broken places. I love that. And yeah. we put women in groups of 30. And they get together and they encourage and empower each other and they pool their own resources. So they start what they call their lady bank. <laughs> and then they're given loans to one another mm -hmm. and creating safe friendships. Yeah. So they start that women's cooperative. So we have 99 of those. And then they meet once a week together in that group of 30. And then they get together with other women's cooperatives in literacy centers. Okay. So yes. Yep. So those are groups of three to eight literacy centers, kind of depending on location, like how many women can walk together to a central location. Yes. So it could be 90, it could be 250 women that'll get together at a literacy center. And they're going to meet once a week at a literacy center. And that's where the real empowerment happens because yeah. we're going to send a coach there. And in Atesso, they're going to learn at their level, reading, writing, basic math, sanitation, hygiene, nutrition, agriculture, and business. Wow. Yeah. So most of our moms never got to go to school a day in their life. Yeah. And when you don't get to go to school, you don't know how to read. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to do math. So you're not allowed to go to meetings. If your village has a meeting, you're not allowed to show up because you can't sign your name. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're not allowed to hold any position of leadership anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so once you learn to write your name, you're allowed to be in leadership. You're allowed to go to meetings. Um, if you don't know how to do math in an agrarian society where all you can do is work, go to the market, you're getting cheated all the time. Yeah. So once you do math, you're not getting cheated. Right. Want to help your kids with their homework and all that that entails. Yeah. And you're getting all of these cross friendships yeah, and opportunities for leadership. 
So we, in the women's cooperative, there are seven leadership positions in a group of 30 that are elected. And then in the literacy center, they have another eight positions of leadership that are elected. Okay. And so with, we now have 3000 moms in our program. And in that we have 908 positions of leadership. Very cool. One in four moms is in some kind of elected position of leadership. That's wonderful. Formerly disempowered women. Yeah. Getting to have so many friendships and empowerment and leadership and getting to know that they're loved and worth having. Yeah. I love that. So that's a long answer for how we got started. (laughs) Hey, you you hit it all. That's wonderful. So now guys, you still have the co-ops, you still have the literacy program, the well stuff last Mm -hmm. year. Was that when you did your first well or Oh no, we started that all, um, oh, we pretty much everything has been started again, accidentally, right? (laughs) We've seen needs. Yeah. Right. As we've gotten to know, um, you know, the Bob Goff stuff, right? Love does. And we believe that, right? That love happens in community and in friendship. And as you become aware of needs, you recognize, oh, this is what my friend needs. And so this is what needs to happen. And so as we recognized that our friends needed water, we're like, oh, let's make it happen. Yeah, then we need to do else. And so pretty early on, we recognized, oh, not only do our friends need water, but if our moms are going to spend this much time walking for water, the average person walks 3.7 miles a day for water, which means that's a lot of business time. Yeah. How can you have an effective business if you're spending hours of your day walking for water? Right. Or if you're sick Mm -hmm. or if your babies are sick. Mm-hmm. how much time we know how much time it takes out of your day if your kids are sick or if you're sick or if you have diarrhea all day how much time are you spending on your business right for sure and so then we realized oh we need to do wells and the really fun thing about wells is that we might have 32 if you consider a literacy center we have 180 women in an area when we do a well a well affects 1,500 people in that community. Yeah, much bigger. And so what we do, one of the things that frustrates us in a lot of communities is that you'll go to a community and you might see a church or a school or anywhere you go and you'll see these chairs. And every chair is stamped with whatever organization provided that chair. Yes. Like there, everything is stamped with the name of something. Okay. Like everything, every bench, every chair, every well, every, like literally everything that is built has a name on it. Yeah. And we decided from the very beginning that that's not how we were going to operate. That nothing we provided would have our name on it. And so from the very beginning, we decided that every well would never say our names on it, but all it could say is the mom's group, maybe, that the single mothers 
of that area provided it, or it could say you are loved. And so the really fun thing is that when we would go into a community, all of the men and all of the leaders of the community show up for the well opening ceremony. Yeah. And then we get to say, oh, like, well, I mean, if we had provided this well, like we just locked it and handed the key to the moms at the cooperative. But they convinced us that all of you should have the well. Mm. Because so every time your kids don't have typhoid, you have the single mothers of your community to thank. Yeah. Give them more. And it has changed the way the moms in our community are looked at. In fact, in Uganda, it's a thing of honor. You kind of like kneel, just like it's like a one leg kneel and you shake hands. That's like a sign of respect that the women, only the women and the young girls do when they meet somebody. And at one of our well opening ceremonies, all of the men in the village came to the women and they kneeled and thanked the women. That's amazing. Which, I mean, everyone was giggling. They were just like laughing up a storm doing it because nobody had ever seen it done. Yeah. And it was so fun. It just, I have a friend and she wrote a book called The Upside Down Kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. because the whole time we get to see this upside down kingdom and now our new favorite thing at villages we do well opening ceremonies and they're sort of like ribbon cuttings because yeah. the wells are open as soon as you can as soon yeah. as water is dug. like we're not closing the well until we get there obviously like right. that would be ridiculous soon as water is there their well is open but we do these ribbon cutting ceremonies when we get there and you you guys got the videos and everything from Step yes, Yeah, We sent you pictures. Mm-hmm. But our favorite thing is that they always try to like thank us, right? Like Mzungu is what they call Westerners, which okay. is Swahili for lost wanderer. Okay. <laughs> the first time they, they see us and they're like, you must not be from around here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you lost? Yeah. Um, and so they always try to thank us. And I'm like, you guys, here's the deal. And I get really serious. I'm like, you are trying to thank us for your water. But here's, here's the deal. I've known about your need for three months, four months, five months. And you're right. We cried. We prayed. We asked people. But that's for three or four months. And then I'll say, in this community, who has lived here the longest? And they'll bring up this mama who's like 75 years old, right? And she comes forward with her little cane, 80, 75, 85 years old. And I'll say, how old are you? And she'll be like, my name's Matilda. I'm 82 years old. Okay. You've lived in this village. You've lived in Olegue for 82 years. Yes. How long have you been praying for water? Mm. She'll say 75 years. Like you have prayed for clean water in this village for 75 years. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. Like, then you are the one who is going to cut this ribbon. Mm. You have prayed faithfully Mm -hmm. and believed. You have believed and prayed 
This is our God seeing you. Yeah, it's beautiful. And your prayers. And getting to watch that and getting to honor the prayers of decades fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Like, I mean, first of all, like how humbling is that, right? <laughs> because how long, have, how many of us have prayed for anything faithfully for decades? Right. Like, That's true. That's so humbling to me. And then to get to honor that and to watch them cut the ribbon. And then we let them be the ones who walk the rest of that like little path. And then they come to the water and they splash everyone. We turn it into a water fight because we think every opening should be a giant water fight. So they bring their basins and they fill it up and then they throw it on everyone. And it's just holy. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is holy to watch 75 years of prayers honored and fulfilled and to get to know that. And I tell them always, like, that is not us. Yeah. Right? Like, I believe strongly that God's been asking people to say yes all along. And we just happen to be the first ones who actually said yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's Wells. We've gotten to do clean water for, we've done 50 wells so far, I believe. Okay. That's a lot. So people who have clean water. People. Yeah. I, I end up losing count because we keep. Clean water was my first passion. My son, uh, my middle son is from Liberia, West Africa. So that's what really gave me this passion. So I started doing wells in West Africa in 2007. So wells have been a passion all along. Yeah. That is, it is a joy of my heart. We're doing walk for water week this week, actually. So are raising money for wells this week we have people all across the country who are walking 3.7 miles every day and asking 10 people to donate 37 dollars and yeah it's a great we're idea. always always raising money for wells because <laughs> we have a list right now of 45 villages waiting Maybe yeah we're all, yeah we always have a list i asked my staff last week like who's next in priority and they said you can't ask us who's priority because it's always whatever village we were just in. Yeah. That's gotta be such a hard, who gets it next? Right. It's like, they're like, you can't ask us that. Like it's everyone. Like who who needs clean water more? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like that's fair. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So Brady, most of your staff then are local. All of my staff are local. Okay. So we don't have any Westerners on the ground. Okay. We yep. actually don't even believe in that. Yep. Yep. So we believe that the Ugandans know best. Mm-hmm. And so we only have, uh, we partner with a Ugandan organization. So they are actually a Ugandan NGO with a Ugandan board. Okay. And then we are a US 501c3 with a US board. Gotcha. Very nice. And so we operate as two separate entities. Mm-hmm. together 
Perfect. And so Anne, who I talked about before, is the CEO of the Ugandan organization, Dakota, Destiny Community Development Initiative. And then I am the executive director here. And so we just work in partnership and community. She's like my sister. Yeah. Love that. Johnny, do you have, he's more of the numbers guys. So I know you sent it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, you sent us some stuff. So, um, so that's great. I was, I was wondering, is, are you it in terms of staff stateside? Yep. I'm it in terms of staff stateside. We keep it small because we believe so much in stewardship. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're able to keep our numbers kind of the golden rule of numbers is 80, 10. So you're always looking for an organization that keeps 80% uh, program, or 80 20. Yeah. 80 20. So 80% programs, 20% admin. We, our goal is 90 10. Um, we keep it at 93 7. Yeah. And a lot of that is because I'm the only staff member and don't have an office. I'm at my house and, you know, I'm willing to fly a whatever with however long of layover and uh, we just believe really in our people mm-hmm. and in doing I mean this is our everything yeah so and for so yeah sorry, I'm it and we need lots of volunteers <laughs> yeah right so for you that uh, these kinds of things this is a lot of what you're doing you're just getting the word out helping spread awareness of yeah. it raising money that sort of stuff right yep yep I'm in charge of all of the fundraising, all of the donor relations, all of the admin, all of the everything. <laughs> That's a great, it's all, a great All model. of the things. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, my, my only other question, and we don't want to keep you too yeah. long. My only other no, question would be, um, what, um, thinking about the future, what things... Yeah. You're kind of dreaming about goals that you have, things that you would love to see happen maybe in the next handful of years here. Yeah. In what realm? Just so for the organization, is it is it more of what you're already doing? Is it new programs? Is it a combination yeah. of the two? You know, so our biggest dream right now is that we have the land and we are building a school. So we are going to be building a trauma-informed boarding school, secondary school. So it'll be a secondary and a vocational school at the same time. So a little bit in lines of, do you know Katie Davis and Amazama? She she was she the one who adopted a bunch of kids. No. Yep. She was oh, okay from Kenya. Yep. Yes. Okay. So she has a school called Amazama, which is also in Uganda. Um, so a little bit like that, but a lot more Ugandan. Okay. So not as fancy as Katie's school. Um, so like step down a whole lot, um, but trauma informed. And so we want to build a school. So we have the land already and we have, we're working on that. So that's kind of our next really big thing. It'll be for 800 students eventually. Yeah. And so we're really excited about that because it will merge kind of a Ugandan education, but with a lot of discipleship Mm -hmm. and mentorship, which is really needed because our schools aren't great. 
So right now we have a thousand kids that we are helping put in school. Okay. But the Ugandan school system isn't super great. Yeah. And there's not a lot of mentorship and discipleship. Yeah. And we would love the opportunity to combine their secondary program and vocational because there are kids leaving school, but not really prepared for a job. Right. So we're, and not trauma-informed. Yeah. So they are like leaving and traumatized. Yeah. And so we love, um, and our staff, when people join our staff, we just love it because they seem to catch the vision. Like our literacy coaches, we were super worried because they were just coming. We just have to hire Ugandan literacy coaches because of the curriculum. And as soon as they joined our staff, they were like, loved and worth loving. We're in. Mm -hmm. And they just did. And that now they do home visits. And it's like people are hungry for this vision. And once they catch it, they really do run with it. And so we believe the same will be true with the school. So I would say that. And then Dakota, our Ugandan partner, they actually have another 5,000 women that they're working with just with cooperatives. Okay. But don't have literacy centers. So our next step for Heal and Thrive is to put literacy centers with every one of their cooperatives. That'd be great. But it costs $7,500 a year for every literacy center. Yep. Okay. So that. (laughs) Those are the goals. Definitely our next few years will be literacy. And then every literacy center we kind of combine with Wells. Okay. Because the area where they have the rest of their women's cooperatives is dry for lack of better words um hung, hungry for wells yeah dry it is um a an area that they are literally walking hours and sleeping overnight at their wells because of how far the walk is to clean water they're having to walk and then just stay the night, which is super dangerous for women. And so women are getting assaulted during the night. Yeah. So I have a feeling I'm going to have a lot of fundraising in my future. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask, are are any of the, you know, there's seems like there's opportunity to grow in a lot of directions. There's need everywhere is, um, is most of the the limiting factor is it just finances? Are there other logistical things, is it, or is it just pretty much like no? We can, we have a way to grow. We just uh, we have boots on the ground. We just need to keep funding it. It's really at this point just finances because they already have those women's cooperatives. Mm-hmm. So because we can, they're already in place. All right. we have to add is the literacy centers and then wells right there. So we're actually just kind of filling in what's already logistically done. Yeah. So we have like basically waiting lists. Mm. So, and finances right now are so hard. Yeah. So that's been the struggle lately. The you, the government over there, they're, 
is there any like barriers with them or because you're bringing it in like you're because you're helping the community, they're just like good to go or. They are. Um, Anne's husband, Joseph, who is actually who I originally worked with. He's the okay. first person I ever met when I went to Uganda in 2008. Yeah. Uh, he is the my first contact. He used to be the um, minister of agriculture. Okay. And his best friend is the minister of defense. Thanks. Okay. Interior, somebody whichever okay his, yeah. son, his son is was our driver and now is um joseph's best friend and his right hand um so that's super helpful yeah for sure mm-hmm. um Saidi's dad being whoever he is well actually i was well, i was on a trip one day and i like come down to breakfast in my like wet hair barefoot and there's tanks at breakfast and I'm like, what the crap is happening? Like, <laughs> what is going on? And apparently JJ had just come to have breakfast with us. I was like, hi, sir. Good to meet, see you again. <laughs> Wish I had That's known you were terrifying to yeah. have like machine guns at breakfast. No worries. Yeah, normal, normal thing. Normal to have the director, the minister of defense at your breakfast table. Yeah. That's <laughs> So the, and our staff are actually really good at working with the government. Basically, yeah. we're really good at letting the government take credit for everything we do. Right. So if we put wells in, the Ministry of Water is like, we are so glad you're here because we've asked you to be here. Right. Yeah. You have put in all of this water because we asked you to put in water. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yes. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for asking for water. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and honestly, my staff are so much better at it than I am. Like, there's a part of me that's like, <laughs> You yeah. did not ask for anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my staff, they've just been doing this for so long that they are, um, they're so good at it. Yeah. They yeah. know exactly what they're doing and they know, they know how to operate in all of these gotcha. and they, they show the proper deference yep. and, um, well, that's- great people. And yeah, they, uh, they call them LOC local chair people, but like the LOC four, who's the highest chairperson in this one subdistrict. Uh, we actually had my husband and I have been uh, remarried now for four years and they threw a Ugandan wedding for us when we got oh, married. Beautiful. A thousand people showed up. Yeah. And the LOC four is convinced that my husband is his best friend. <laughs> he took a series of selfies with him unbeknownst to my husband That's and then so told him he was going to be making a calendar <laughs> so we're still waiting for the calendar but That's yes so there is going to be a calendar of my husband and that LFC and you just kind of yeah yeah so the government is thrilled with us because we're their numbers look better because of us yeah so instead of getting a report that the Sarodi district has uh, this percentage of uneducated people what they get is a higher percentage of educated women. What they get a, is a percentage of more water being drilled in their area without them actually having to do any of it. Yeah. So win, win for them. Yeah. Yep. But 
themselves. They love us. They are all about, yeah. 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 Anything. So yeah, that thankfully that works really, really well. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I don't have any more questions. Johnny, do you have questions? No, I think this is great. Um, this is a good little snapshot and and it helps us connect some of your story to it, to the work as well. And I think that's really helpful. So we will, I also, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. I really wanted to thank you guys that part of your gift last year um, was used to fund our, um, part of our staff um, retreat. Yes, I saw that. It sounded and... like really well. Yeah, we've been working on secondary trauma with our staff yeah, and staff appreciation. And our staff do hard and holy work. And one of my jobs too is to take care of our staff mm-hmm. and how important that is to me that our staff hear stories and they hold women in their deepest and hardest moments and so many of my staff grew up in that area and they could, they went away to school. They have college degrees. They could have left mm-hmm. and they have chosen not to, and they bear the cost for that on a daily basis. And they, um, to be able to take them away and to be able to pamper them mm-hmm. is something that because we're so good at stewardship, we don't leave, there's not a lot of fluff in our budget. Yeah. And so without people specifically giving so that we can do that and we can take care of them well, that doesn't always get to happen. And so that, it means something to our staff and it means something to me. Yeah. And so I just wanted to say thank you. I, as somebody who believes so much in healing for healers and for leaders, that was really, really, really important to me. You also helped with the belovedness day, which was a day of healing where I got to speak healing over a bunch of moms who had experienced some of the deepest hurts in the world. And that was a day of healing where moms took some of their um, most traumatizing moments to Jesus. And they did deep, deep healing work. And that is because you gave. Like they literally took some of their moments. We had uh, 200 women that day that took their moments of abandonment, of abuse, of rape, of teen pregnancy and they took that to Jesus and they took the wounds and the lies of the enemy and they replaced that with truth Yeah, that day, like with tears just falling down their faces and they exchanged those lies for truth. And that is because you gave. Mm-hmm. And I know as a foundation you don't always get to see those moments. And I want you to know what they meant. That I was standing on a chair in a room 
surrounded by women who I was saying, like, do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment of pain? And they were just sobbing. And I said, you get to believe the truth today. And hundreds of women exchanged the lies for truth. And that is because of you. Well, we're really happy to partner with you guys in that. And so we're, we are really blessed that we're able to be a part of it, but, and thankful for you guys who do the hard and holy work, you know, so. I just needed you to know that. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Brandy. And thank you for taking time. It was really nice to officially meet you and get to know just a little bit more about Heal and Thrive. And we're hoping to be, you know continually checking in and getting to know you guys better and all that you do. So thank you again. Love getting to know you guys.